Lord, you are living hope. We thank you for that. We thank you and praise you that you're the one that set us free and that death has lost its grip on me. And I have walked the reality of that the last few weeks, and I am so grateful that you promise us eternal life and that you promise that if we have the Son, that we can know that we have eternal life and that death will not be the end of us. And so we give thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I've heard it called, I just, uh, Jen, I just heard last week, uh, <laughs> sorry, May is called Maysimber. Have you guys heard that? It's the new thing, I guess, Maysimber. It is crazy like December. How many of you had a crazy, crazy May? I have had an absolutely crazy May. You know, a daughter graduating and just a lot of stuff going on. Uh, can, I, can I see those hands again? How many of you had a crazy May? Are willing to admit it? Okay. Can, can we just take a minute to give our soul some space? Jesus says that uh, to all of you who are tired, you're exhausted, you're drained, you're carrying too much, heavy burdens. He says, come to me and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. So can we just take a moment and just in silence, maybe take some deep breaths, breathe in. Uh, you know, I, this is nothing super, just a lot of times I'll take, as I breathe out, I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'll just say in my heart, I'm giving you my anxiety or the hurriedness of my life. And as I breathe in, I just say, I just want to receive from you quietness, whatever. I, I just, can we just take a minute to just pray for whatever it is you need at this time of your life for him to, to offer it to you. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd, and as my shepherd, you give me everything I need. I have nothing that I lack. Thank you that you lead us to those lush meadows when we need it, but you also take us when we need it to those places of quiet waters. So for anybody needing that, I pray that you would help them to dig into you and find your provision of that in that way. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay. A um, few things. Um, every week I've been throwing a bunch of these up here, and I mean, still they're going. So there's obviously a hunger to have these for yourself or to have them to give to people. So once again, I'm going to throw some of these down on the stage the, from the, the story that we did. Um, you know, if you want it for your Bible to, to help you keep you centered on the big picture, or if you want to have one to give to somebody, come take one. Um, I was able to use this this last week in the funeral we had for Ace, and um, just if it's something that you need, these are up here. For those of you who, a lot of you took part the last two weeks in doing this survey um, of just things that you feel like God has given you ability in or you have an interest in, things you have a passion for. You guys were so great. I thank you for, for doing that. Robocalls will start this week at supper time. You'll be getting four or five calls every night from the church asking you to sign up for 50 things. No, we're not, we're not going to do that. But, um, but I appreciate you guys just showing that this is really part of your family because that you were willing to do that. So I'm thankful. If you are, don't know what I'm talking about, um, 
we will we'll be following up, but we've done just a kind of an ability survey and thing you're passionate on. Everybody, if you're on the church email, you should have gotten an email with a link. If you go to the church Facebook, you can click on the link there, and it only takes about eight minutes to fill this out, and if you haven't, we would appreciate it if you would do that. Um, last week in the bulletin, we had a thing related to my gifts and abilities and what God, how God is wanting me to steward the abilities He gave me for the sake of this family, but for the sake of people outside the wall. And we had an insert called Stay in Circulation by Charles Swindoll. I love Swindoll. I love his stuff. And this is really good. Those, if you're interested, if you weren't here last week and you'd like to read that, it's not very long. Um, we've got them back there on the, at the Welcome Center. And in that, at the back of it, it does encourage us, like we did last week, to continue to pray. Uh, for the Grates and their loss of Ace, for that whole family, and for the Jeffreys and the Brinkmans and their loss of Jeff. So we want to continue to hold those families up in prayer. And then uh, this week, there was um, another loss in our family. Christina Grayson lost her mother last Monday. And so we'll be doing that funeral this Tuesday. So if you would just be prayer for them. And they've got some family who've come from out of the state. Um, just pray for their grace and comfort. And again, you know, I'll talk about this in a minute. Those are, you know, nobody likes funerals. Um, but the Bible says that wise people use those things to ask questions about eternity and their soul and, how, and priorities, right? And so... May we all be in this season that we're kind of going through right now with some, with some death in the family, people that we know and love, to, to, uh, to be thinking about those big things. And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Also last week, if you weren't here, Jordan and I talked about something that we did together. And I think he carried the load. I just was there to, to, uh, to provide moral support, I think, and have the cool mugs. But um, we did a thing together on something that really change, if, if I were to tell you five or six things that really transformed my walk with Jesus, one of them was this whole concept of undulation of the waves. And I heard a lot of feedback this week. I had a lot of people who stopped me or texted or called or something and said, I wish I had heard that 10 years ago. I wish when I was a new Christian I'd heard that. So um, if, if you're like, what in the world did they talk about? I really encourage you to get on the website and maybe listen to it. And in the back is this green sheet that has the scripture that we used, and it has the chapter from C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, um, where he talks about that. And I, I just think it can profoundly affect your walk with God and be a very freeing thing. So if you weren't here, you can do that. A few other things, uh, if you don't mind. So... At the funeral on Wednesday at the Civic Auditorium, they were guessing around 1,400 people were there, and a lot of middle school and high school. And one thing we did is we offered on the way out a Gospel of Mark that's specifically like for, for teenagers specifically. It has some cool stuff. Some teenagers went through and wrote stuff in relation to the text that's just really cool to see talks about the gospel in the back, and then some things after that that teenagers struggle with, like, you know, their, their image and peer pressure and stuff, and also had a, like a, a gospel pamphlet thing that's the, it's called the story, and it really follows the story of God, and what's really amazing is, is the day after I did Jeff's funeral, I had this but didn't know it, and I stumbled upon it by God's sovereignty, and looked at it, and I loved it, and there's a video, and I watched the video, and it was amazing, and so we ordered these and got them in time that we were able to put these out, and we had 336 people pick one of these up. That's 25% of those who were there, who, by picking this up, what I think they were saying was, I really don't know where I'm going. I don't know my soul. I don't know God. I don't know if I died, what would happen to me. And that's very profound. Isn't that exciting that, that, that God used? And that's what Ace, that's what, as I talk to the family, they're like, that's what Ace would love, is if, if in through this, if he could point people to God, 
that that would be like his last gift to people to serve. And so that's just really cool. And to those who were helping, well, one, thanks to all you who volunteered for both funerals, the staff, a lot of you volunteers helped out with a lot of stuff, the worship team that helped out, the sound, all you guys, I appreciate that help on Wednesday. The people who helped usher, who helped kind of be back with these to make sure the tables were stocked. I heard, they told me that, you know, there were some adults who picked this up because we're too cool to talk about God, right? Once you get over 30, you're just too cool to think about that. Uh, Not really, but I think sometimes that's what adults, we feel like we have to act like. Um, We're like, we're too grown up for God. But the majority of people that were picking these up were the, the middle school and high school students. About eight to ten, eight out of ten, they said, were the, the young folks. So, anyways, I just want to let you know that. Can we be in prayer? In fact, would one of, could I get somebody to stand and pray for the people who, you know, at Jeff's funeral, I told you we had 16 people pick up a booklet, and the 30, 336 who picked this up, that God would, would there be somebody who'd like to stand and pray loudly so we can kind of hear for those people that they would get into the material and God would speak to them through it? Is there anybody who would like to do that? Judy. And Lord, we do pray for the families that you would continue to comfort and just we pray that they would stick close to you and that you would shepherd them in a healthy way through uh, that, 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 long, that long journey through grief, um, that you'd help them to walk that well and in their own way and with community around them. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to just challenge you guys, you know, we all have a story to share, right? And... You know, I told at, at Jeff's funeral, I told them how that a funeral changed my life because my cousin had died when I was 18. And that's when I started asking the questions. I'm like, if I died, I don't know where I'm going. And that was life-changing for me because that was the beginning of my journey towards God. And here's how much God wants to use, not just my life, but he wants to use your life because you have unique things in your story that the people around you need to hear. The thing I didn't tell people at Jeff's funeral because it was a lot of adults who wouldn't have cared but it, it really fit last week because um, Ace was 14 and the thing I didn't tell them that I told the guys Wednesday was my cousin was 18 but when he died I was 14 so I know what it's like to be a 14 year old at a funeral for somebody that's your age so to speak does that make sense and it's not just me. God, all of us, we have things in our stories that the people around you, that if you'll just engage in conversation, talk about your life and their life, that there's just points of contact that God will provide. That was not an accident, that the way this all happened. God didn't cause that. Okay, I'm not saying that, but it's not an accident that how he orchestrated other things. So, okay. Next week, we're going to have a coffee. So if you've been coming to 12 for a few months and you're just kind of hanging out, checking us out, standing back, watching, wondering what we're like, we're going to be meeting in rooms 5 and 6 next Sunday at 10.30, and if you're just wanting to get a little better taste of who we are, we invite you to be in there next week. We're, I think that's our front porch. Is that right, Lisa? We're kind of calling that our front porch. Come in, sit on a rocking chair, try it out, and, um, and just kind of get to know who we are. So, okay, I think we're ready. I, did, I started this two weeks ago, and I want to come back to it. I promised you that we would, and it's this thing on... Parenting for Maximum Impact. And it's not just parenting, because I had this intentionally planned the week after we talked about being a Sherpa, bringing somebody along with you spiritually, because this applies not just to me parenting, it applies to any relationship of influence in my life, any relationship of influence. Um, you know, we've got families around us that have influenced our children a lot. We hope to be an influence on children. 
some of your children. I know we spend a lot of time with Maggie and Jet, and it's not quite time for me to start applying this, but before long, this is going to be what I'm actually doing in my relationship with them. I mean, loving them, but not just using them, but you know what I'm saying, with uh, Titus and Xander, some other relationships. We just, we want to, we want to be an influence on people, right? Children, people we disciple. So, would you stand? We did this a couple weeks ago, but I want to do it again. I want to read the Word of God together, Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 9, because this is, this has been the foundation of all my parenting, of all my discipleship, all of my relationships of influence. So, would you read with me? Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 9. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love Him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside your children. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is God's Word, so you may be seated. All right, so uh, if I want a parent for impact, you remember, I, I'm not going to grab that stool, but the drum stool, drum stools always have three legs, I don't know why, they just do. What's well, the leaning back thing if you were here two weeks ago? But my guitar stand has three legs also. And so to me, these are the three things of parenting, of any relationship of influence. If I want to influence people spiritually, these three things have to be present. And so let's just jump into this. We, I talked briefly, and I'll just say it again, that, you know, the statistics vary, but it's over, they say, half, over half of the young people who grow up in this church, once they get away to college or move away, they check out spiritually, okay? Um, I don't know if that's true here, but I mean, we've seen it. I'm sure Jordan's seen it over the years. You, you see that kind of happen. And I think if you're a parent, I, I mean, none of us, we should want that. We should want all of our young people to continue to follow God and walk with Him. And so hopefully this is really helpful. No guarantee, which I'll get back to. But um, So I want to share three principles out of this that to me are those three legs. And the three ingredients that I think have been essential in my parenting, and I can tell you from where I stand, you know, when you, when you get to the end of the road, I'm in the end of the, because they're all going to be gone by August, they're all going to be gone. And, you know, you look back, there were a lot of things I would have done different, but that's okay. I mean, I did the best that I could before God. And so, you'll never do this perfectly, but I think if you work at these three things, you'll find your parenting, you'll find your grandparenting, you'll find any relationship of impact, you'll have greater impact if you'll do this. Um, so, first one was, if you remember, we'll start with, uh, let's do red. First one is this, love your God, love God, your God, love Him, He's got to be your God with your, it's got to be your whole heart, love Him with all you've got, write these commandments I've given you today, you've got to put them on your hearts, get them inside of you. I really like that. Here's how the message puts it, Eugene, Tran Eugene Peterson, love God with your whole heart, Oh, actually, that is Eugene Peterson. Sorry. I'm like, I've read this before. Well, I just read it. So, um, and I said it a few weeks ago, this is the most important of the three principles. Of the three legs of the stool, this is the most important. And I showed you on my guitar stool, this back one is shorter than these two because this one carries the most weight, actually, is most important in keeping it balanced. The other two give stability and are equally important. You, if, I just, if you take one off, it's not going to hold the guitar. But this, this one leg to me is this one, and it's this thing that, that it's got to be, that if you want to give your faith away to your children, if you want to give your faith away to anybody, it, loving God has to be a reality in your own life, right? You have to have a genuine personal walk with God. And I think we know this in our gut. I don't have to say a lot about this. You cannot give away what you do not possess. That's just reality. It's that way in anything in life. 
You can't take your children somewhere spiritually. You can't take anybody somewhere spiritually that you've never been. Like everything in life, the spiritual life is better caught than taught. Better caught than taught. So when it comes to parenting, to any kind of influence, the law of reproduction comes into play. You may teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. And that's kind of scary, okay? Because knowledge and what you are can be different things, right? You can teach what you know, but you're going to reproduce what you are. You know, as the old saying is, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So the word, by the way, for that first leg is my parenting, it has to be personal. That's why I used to keep this here, personal parenting, here, per, oops, personal, personal. And it's not just parenting. I would write up here influencing anybody for maximum impact. Just a few months after Curtis was born, this was in Baby Blues, and I cut it out and I put it in a frame on my desk to always remind myself that my kids would become what I was, not what I said. Does that make sense? I know it does. So I always kept that to remind myself that what I walked is what was going to impact them. And, you know, if you try to fake it, your children are going to know it, especially people, kids these days, um, just so much one authenticity. That's what they long for. And if that authenticity is not in you, they just don't put up with frauds very much. You know that? And if they feel like this place is a place, if, if their experience of it is, my parents or whatever, well, they're really frauds. Monday to Saturday, this isn't important to them. They know that. And once they're, once they're kind of out of this environment, in their mind, that's what church is, is it's a place for, for imposters. Um, I don't know, some of the dads here. Have you ever been, like, driving your family somewhere? This is probably pre-GPS. Some of you, the young guys, don't know this as well. But uh, you were driving somewhere and you got lost? Any guys ever, ever get lost driving? Never? Jacob never had that experience? I remember one time we were in Denver, and this was pre, no GPS, no phones. It was all, you look up on the map ahead of time. And I know Denver pretty well because we go there a lot. But I was going to a place I didn't know at all, and I didn't really know how to get there. And pretty soon I got pretty lost. So I'm driving around like all guys do, you know, like I'm full of intention. I know exactly where I'm going, but as I'm driving, I'm doing a lot of like trying to, you know, I don't know. What, I don't know what this does, but somehow this is supposed to solve the problem. I don't know, maybe it's going to pop in my head or a sign will show up somewhere, you know, oh, Garen, turn here. I don't know. And then pretty soon one of the kids, I don't remember who, said, Dad, you're lost, aren't you? And I said, no, 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 of course not. I'm just uh, enjoying, you know, the scenery, the the buildings in Denver are just awesome. I mean, check these things out. And, I'm, and, and then they're, they're talking. Conversation starts. Dad's lost. I can tell. Mom, can you tell? You know when Dad's lost. He starts kind of looking around like that. So finally, I, okay, okay, I'm lost. I'm lost. So stopped it somewhere and asked directions. And, um, you know, you can't hide it. That's the point. You can't hide when you're lost. You can't hide when you're faking it. You know, this generation, especially the young people, they, you know, some of you guys that I'm looking at, they want to make an impact, they want to make a difference, and they want to live for something that's worth giving their life to. They want to live for something that's worth giving their life to. And many of us, some of us, I don't know, the way we live as parents, or anybody we're trying to influence, we're trying to influence that generation. If we live in a way that they see in us, this is not worth giving my life to, it doesn't matter to them. Does that make sense? Because then what they're doing is they're looking for the next cause that they can give their life to. Um, so, you know, we talked a lot about to lead anybody spiritually, you've got to be a guide, right? Like a Sherpa. You know, you know the mountain. You know the map. Um, if I used a different metaphor, I could use the idea of being a travel, traveling a travel agent won't do in parenting or in any spiritual relationship. Um, ever been whitewater rafting? I know I was talking to Jonathan about this. This was us in Durango about five years ago. Um, I don't know how well you can see it. Um, look, I've got like my pirate hat on. Oop, here, let's do yellow. I've got my pirate thing going right there. Because you know when you're bald, you've got to keep that thing from getting sunburned. That's the reality. It's not that I want to look like a pirate. Um, but, you know, travel agents know about the river, but a guide, they know the river, right? They know the river. Um, they've lived it. 
They know all the rapids. They know where to go. They know the right way to get into it. But a, a travel agent could never tell you that. And when, if, you're on, if you're, this was uh, class four rapids right here, I think. If you're in class four rapids, you don't want a travel agent back there on that seat, right? You want a guide. Look at this dude. I don't know if you can tell it. That guy's got the biggest smile on his face. He was really fun. I mean, you've got, look at Kieran, like, Kieran's working hard, and Pat's digging in, and I'm digging, and Chris is like, whoa, look at this, man. She's like, wow. Chule was with us. She wouldn't even look. She was so scared. <laughs> Ariel, she's digging in. But this guy, can you see that? He just, I, if I showed you the other two or three pictures, the whole time he's got this smile on his face because he's like, I know the river. We're good. They're safe in my hands. They're doing what I told them to do. And that's what our kids need is they don't need tour guides. They need... They need the river guides, the people who've, who've been there, who've walked that. So, poem I love, called The Lookout. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely show the way. The eyes a better pupil, more willing than the ear. Find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. The best of all preachers are the men who live their creed, for to see the good in action is what everyone needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. The lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. So if there's one thing I really want to convey this morning that I really want you to walk away with of all of these is that if you're going to influence anybody, especially your children, for maximum impact, that, that key one is this one. It's got to be personal. It's got to be real. You've got to be walking with God. So a couple of questions. Is the spiritual life I'm wanting to see in my children the dominant reality in my own life? Or, again, it doesn't have to be children. Somebody I'm trying to influence. Is the spiritual reality I'm wanting to see in them, is that the dominant reality in here? If Jordan were up here, he would say, Am I smoking what I'm selling? But thankfully, he's not up here because I would never say that. <laughs> In all honesty, am I a travel agent or am I an experienced guide? Okay, let's go back here. So, secondly, if I want to parent or if I want to influence anyone for maximum spiritual impact, my parenting, my influence has to be personal, but secondly, it has to be intentional. And... That is where it comes in. Let's do this one in blue. Okay, so he says, get them inside of you, get them inside of your children. That's kind of crucial. So here, we're going to do this one is, so um, impress them on your children. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This one is intentional. If I'm going to impact anybody, especially my kids, it not only has to be personal, it has to be intentional. Um, this word, you know, somebody was asking, like, why I reference Greek a lot. The New Testament's written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So this was written in Hebrew. This word impress in Hebrew is a really cool word. Um, the verb, in Hebrew, a verb can, it can be... In it, uh, how do I say this? Um, it's called intensive. It's an intensive verb, meaning it's like intense. Does that make sense? It's not just saying it. It's like really saying it. Impress, impress. What's interesting is this word many times in the Hebrew Old Testament is used of sharpening of, a, of, a, of an arrowhead or sharpening of a sword, sharpening of a spearhead. It's also used of wetting the appetite. So somebody will want something, and it can be used to impress, like to impress something deeply. So it's, it's this real intentional, this, this deep word, impress them on your children. And it's like do it diligently. Be intentional about it. Know where you're going. Um, in a minute, I'm going to come back with some ideas on that. But this, to me, this intentionality, to me, it's all about having, to me, it's all about having a target that I know where I'm wanting to go with my children. I know where I'm wanting to go. I've got something that I'm, that I'm aiming for, so when I'm launching arrows, trying to get things done, I know where I'm going. Stephen Covey, Covey in his famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says that the second habit of effective people is they always begin with the end in mind. 
begin with the end in mind. So in any relationship, especially parenting, I need to know the end game. I need to know where I'm wanting them to arrive and to have a clear picture of that. And you have to have an intended target. A target. Um, do you remember the old saying about living life without a target, without a goal? If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there, right? So if you don't have any intentionality with your children or with anybody you're trying to influence, doesn't matter what you do, because you won't, you'll just end up wherever if you don't have that. Uh, I love in Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Alice has a conversation with this ever-smiling Cheshire cat who's in a tree. And Alice says, hey, Cheshire puss, would you please tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? And the cat says, well, that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. Well, I don't care much where, said Alice. And the cat said, well, then... It doesn't matter which way you go, okay? So if you don't know where you're going to get to, it just doesn't matter what you do, which way you go, because you're not going to get to nowhere. Does that mean, I mean, you'll get to something, but you won't get to where you want to get to. So we need to have a target. Um, Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, identifies some benefits of having a target in your life. And I really like this. That's why he calls it the purpose-driven life. You've got purpose to your life. He says a target does three things. It simplifies, focuses, and motivates your life. Simplifies, focuses, and motivates. Let me read what he said on simplifying. Your target defines what you do and what you don't do. Without a target, you have no foundation on which to base decisions. Allocate your time. Use your resources. Without a target, you will tend to make choices based on circumstances, pressures, and your mood at the moment. So having a target simplifies your life. It helps you get focused on what's important. It also focuses your life. A target, he says, concentrates your effort and energy on what's important. It's human nature to get distracted by minor issues. Many people are like gyroscopes, spinning round and round in a frantic pace, but never going anywhere because of a lack of focus. There is nothing quite as potent as a focused life. One lived on purpose. The men and women who've made the greatest difference in the history of the world were those who were most focused. And then on motivating, he says, a target motivates your life. A target produces passion. Nothing energizes you like a clear purpose. And I think we've all seen people like that, right? People who are living with intentionality. They're living with a target. They know where they're going. They know what they want to get to. And we see those people living with, a, with this simplicity and this... Um, this focus and this motivation to them, and their life is kind of heading to where they want to go. And we, just, we also see a lot of people who don't have a target, and their life is just kind of like, like this, right? Just whatever the whim is, whatever it feels like at the moment, and really not heading anywhere. And I decided a long time ago as a parent, I wanted to be a person that knew where I was going with intentionality, and that my life was driven by that. Um, especially, I think, simplifying and focus are so important now more than ever because of uh, may Simber and December and August through May. I mean, how important and how busy and crazy life has become, right? Life is so busy. There are so many distractions now for families. For those of you like who, who are old like me, you know, we had stuff when we were kids to do, but most of our stuff was just hanging out with our friends, right? Things are so, there's so much stuff now that culture is saying that we should get our children involved in. There's this pressure for them to do all of this, excel in all of this, sports, activities, academic achievements. And don't get me wrong, though, I'm not saying those things are unimportant, because in a minute I'm going to tell you, we want to have children who are holistic in every part of their life. So those things are not unimportant. But in our modern world, I think we would all agree, these things have become inordinate. Would you not agree? that a lot of these things have become inordinate. They take up too much of our time, too much of our attention, too much of our energy. And many of the things our society encourages our families, us, and our children to pursue, to the degree they want us to pursue them, are actually distracting us and our children from the greater thing on becoming somebody who's an apprentice of Jesus and who ha whose soul will live eternally with the Father. And I think the enemy is using so much stuff to distract us and to distract our children's souls and to distract our parenting. 
And especially, forgive me, but, you know, these last three weeks, man, I've really been feeling it. You know, when you're around several funerals in a row, death has a way of really focusing you and of making me even again asking the questions, where am I giving my life to? Where is my time, my energy, where are my resources going? Where do I need to refocus a little bit? Where do I need to hone in and get back on the things that are most important, okay? Our children are eternal souls. They will spend eternity in the presence of God or in the absence of God, okay? Is that not the most important thing in the world, is to form them in the way of Jesus, to have them have a relationship with God and be walking with Him? Is that not the most important thing? So let us be really careful um, about our priorities and what the things the world is telling us that our children need to be doing and we as families need to be doing because it may be a distraction from the, the big target. So that's not meant to be a guilt thing. It's just to me it's worth thinking about because I've seen it and I've heard it. I mean, we lived it. And had to had to deal with that. So, um, yeah, let me briefly just tell you like some about this intentionality. Um, my target, I think, our target was is we wanted our children. Let me go up a couple of things. Let me find an empty page. Oh my gosh, I can't go there yet. Uh, let me go backwards. Oh, I just blew it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, we wanted our children, we wanted them to be apprentices of Jesus. Not just know him in their head. Who cares about knowledge? Knowledge is important. We wanted him to find Jesus and God beautiful and that they wanted to give their life to him, to know him, okay? Not just Bible knowledge. That's what we wanted. Luke 2, 24 and 52 were really important to us because there we're told that of Jesus, it says, the grace of God was upon him. He grew in wisdom, stature, stature in favor with God and men. He grew wisdom and intellect and in his wisdom. Physically, he grew. He grew in favor with God. He grew in favor with men. That was kind of one of our things. Matthew 22, 37 to 39, where Jesus says, the greatest command, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. This is the first and the greatest command. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. We wanted our children growing up loving God and loving people. So that to us was one of our targets. 1 Kings 11.4 says of David, he, was, he had a fully devoted heart to God. Acts 2, the early church, 42 to 47, also uses that word devotion, that they devoted themselves to... So this idea of being devoted was important to us. Um, I mean, now you're like, wow, that's like 50 targets, you know. I mean, they're all, it's just one way, it's just different ways to us of the same target. We wanted, we wanted them to know God, to walk with Him, and to become like Him. And these were things that were just constantly in our mind. And we were trying to do, so if I could go back to this, look at what it says of these. He says of them, he says, like, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your house. He's just saying, be intentional, do things to keep me before them. And that's stuff like, I mentioned Pat putting Bible verses on our mirrors, whatever she felt like the need of the family was. If we were all being grumpy, she'd find a grumpy, not a grumpy Bible verse, a Bible verse about being grumpy, put it on the mirror. We'd talk about it. We'd pray about it. If there was something in our family's character we felt like needed working on, We'd talk about it, read some Bible stories about it, something, just always trying to be intentional. Um, I'm going to recommend some books at the end that I think will help you with that. All right. And then the last one is, um, my parenting and my influence of anybody has to be personal, intentional. And the last one is, it's got to be um, informal. And that's this one. Talk about them, man, when you're just sitting at home, when you're walking along the road, when you're lying down, when you get up, just as you go through life, just let it be, use moments to influence people. Um, Just, it's those occasional, spontaneous, serendipitous, the impromptu, those unplanned, spur-of-the-moment things where a conversation comes up and you're like, I can speak to how God 
relates to that. Or just always asking the question, what would God say about that? That's a great question, by the way, to help them learn to, to go to the Bible for things. What, would God, what do you think God would say about that? And if they don't know, show them, take them to that place. But it's just learning in the things that happen in their life to speak into it. Um, it's that ability to, to play football when, things aren't, when, every, when the play breaks down, right? That's why I had this. I, I mean, the greatest football player in the history of football at improvising when things broke down was John Elway, right? I mean, when a play broke down, I'll get to Mahomes in a minute. Be patient, be patient. I know my crowd, I know my audience, but I got to start with Denver, okay? I mean, there was nobody who could, that guy, he could run to the right, the, the pocket would break down, he'd run the right, and he'd, he'd rock, send a rocket 90 yards down to the left, right across his body. Amazing. He had this ability to, imp- he, he was great in the design play, but he also knew how to improvise. And there's never been anybody like him until Patrick, right? Patrick Mahomes. Just, isn't he so similar? Okay. And I, I really wanted my parenting to be like John Elway, for most of you, if you could make it like Patrick Mahomes, that would be great. Any influence. Just that ability as you walk in life with your children that you can, that you can just speak into the moment. Um, it just can't, if, if your parenting is only that intentional, prepackaged lessons, okay, there's, you, you need to have things you're intentionally putting in their life, but it's all, if it's just that prepackaged stuff, that's not going to work. There's got to be this improvisational, this improvisational thing. So it's as you're, on the tri- as you're on a trip, as you're walking, as you're climbing a mountain, whatever, that you're life walking with them that you're teaching into the moment. The intentional generally is about me getting general things to them about walking with God, knowing God, growing up to be healthy adults. That informal tends to be the more specific things because a, a question comes up about a specific thing in their life and you're talking into a specific um, the intentional is a lot about the destination, it's the product, the thing, I, I hate that word product, but it's what I, the target I had, the kind of person we wanted them to become, those informal times, it's more about the journey and the process, it's as you process and walk with them, it's like helping them in the journey. The intentional is kind of mass production, you know, the, I wanted all of my kids to know the gospel and, you know, there were just several things I wanted all of them to know. The informal is a lot about customization. It was knowing Ariel, Kieran, Carissa's individuals. It's knowing my students. It's knowing some of you, whoever I work with. It's knowing you individually and customizing it to you. And to do this, by the way, requires time. And you know, remember, your children, not just your children, everybody spells love, T-I-M-E. It requires that you spend time with people. Disciples or apprentices of Jesus are handcrafted, not mass-produced. So we've got to be tailoring our parenting style and our approach to each of our children individually. Um, a comment about that. Um, this, this informal will not happen if it's not personal. You know that? You won't walk about, you won't talk about him on the road or sitting down or whatever. If it's not in here, it's not going to come out in the informal. So again, that personal is so foundational. And then I also want to tell you, I think many parents are, are tempted to choose to prefer this one over this one, but don't do that. In the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of talk going around, if you were here back then, um, of what was called parenting to the moment, which was emphasizing this, but it was done so much that in the intentionality aspect was lost, and I've talked to even parents who kind of were parenting at that time who've gone back and said, I wish I would have been more intentional. Not getting rid of the informal, but you've got to have both. So it's, uh, it's both and. So I forgot to ask questions about, can I go back for a minute? Questions about the intentional. So um, do you know where you want to go with your parenting? Do I have a clear picture in my mind of what it is I want my children to become? And I'm, am I being intentional in trying to get them there? Do I have a game plan to help me carry carry them to that intended destination? And am I intentionally discipling my children toward the goal of becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus? I'm going to reference some books in a minute to come back to that. Questions for the informal. Am I seeking to take advantage of those daily impromptu opportunities to build into my children's lives or anybody I'm influencing? Am I customizing my parenting, my influence to each individual based upon their uniqueness of their personality gifts, their weaknesses, where they're needing the most work? And am I customizing my parenting or my influence to each individual child based upon where they are on their particular journey? Okay, a few things in summary. Um, 
if I want to parent my children for maximum impact, if I want to influence anybody, because this is all about influence for maximum impact, it's got to be personal, intentional, and informal. And again, the personal, that's that crucial leg, but all three are important. Our goal as parents is that we wanted our children, we wanted to parent them in such a way that when they grew up, they would passionately love God and follow Him, that they would love others, that they would live well in the real world, that they would have an impact on their corner of the world for the sake of the kingdom. Restoring all things to God, one person, one place at a time. So, a few concluding remarks. Um, number one, the place of the church. Um, a core conviction of us and our parenting growing when, I, when we were doing it was the church can't do this for us. The church could come along and give us an assist. They could, they could pass the ball to us when we cut, made the cut, but we were the ones that had to put the ball in the basket. Um, it's got to be mom and dad that do this, okay? So don't let this place be to you the main way that you parent your children spiritually because of this, if you're relying on this and it's not you, it's not going to happen. Many of my ancestors are from Scotland. I love their practicality, and there's a saying in Scotland that says, an ounce of mother is worth more than a pound of clergy. Don't you love that? For those of you who have teenagers, an ounce of you is worth 10,000 Jordans. An ounce of you is worth 10,000 Sunday school teachers, okay? It's got to be with us. It's our job. Um, they can't, the church can't take our place. Um, I do want to say, second, there's no guarantees. If any of you have parented, you know this. If you're in parenting, there's no guarantees. Um, it's not a formula. Jesus lost one of his 12. God the Father lost his first two. Adam and Eve. So I parent to the best of my ability with God with making it personal, intentional, and informal, but they are created by God with free will, and they can choose to turn tail and run from it, and that's not, that doesn't mean it's my fault, okay? So this isn't a guarantee, but don't just, because of that, don't just chuck it and say, well, I mean, who knows if they're going to, if it's their choice anyways. You can make a great deal of impact if you'll parent or influence anybody this way. And then here's my third and concluding thought. Um, to the men, can I speak to the men for a minute? If you do any counseling, learn anything about family dynamics, dads, you're the linchpin of the family. It doesn't mean mom's not important, but the impact you have on your children is huge. You are crucial, specifically with boys. John Eldridge, I, I just finished the book Wild at Heart with some guys. John Eldridge says, the boys learn to become a man, not from women, they learn it from men, all right? That's why if the man of the household doesn't give a rip about God, almost inevitably, guess what's going to happen with the boy? The girls may give a rip or not give a rip, but the guys almost always will not give a rip. The level of influence that we as men have, I mean, it's huge, and um, I'm not trying to be intimidating by that because it can feel intimidating. I mean, remember when you have your first child? Remember those of you? When you get it, you're like, what do I do with this thing, right? You don't even know what to do. And they don't send you home with a manual. I didn't get one. And I felt so clueless. But that didn't mean that I should become passive and shrink back and abdicate to Pat because that's, that's not how God wired things. And I really want to challenge you as men to dig in and you, be, you make it real in your life and you become intentional and you do it informally. Um, and that's why, men, we need the map. We need to know the Word of God. We need companions who will help us to be that kind of a man. And we need Sherpas. We need guides who will show us how to be the right kind of father. Uh, and that comes in the form of men here who've been down the road. It comes in the form of podcasts, radio programs, and books. Um, a lot of women in here, a lot of women in the church around the world are crying out for a husband to step up and lead. So can we be men and lead? That's just my challenge to the guys. And I know you don't feel competent because I didn't. And remember when I had Steve Lowen in here a couple weeks ago? And I was really razzing him and teasing him about how average he was. And the reason I was doing that is because I'm average. And it doesn't matter if you're average. All that matters is if you'll just love God, he'll use you, okay? And God has used Steve because Steve's been in the game with people's lives. So your children need you men. They need a spiritual Sherpa. 
and so let's just do it. All right, um, there is a couple of resources. Um, I will just leave this up for a little bit, if we could maybe when the music's going. The, the book that most influenced me was the middle one. These other two are great as far as like making targets. The book in the middle is what really helped me to learn to be intentional. And it's not in print, but I checked. It's on eBay. You can find it on Amazon used. So if you want to learn, like, how can I do be intentional, that book to me was so helpful. So I highly recommend. And then I also recommend on the, your handout today that you would sit it down. I don't have mine. Where is my thing? There it is in the, the bulletin. On the back, I'd like you to take a minute today and ask this question. How am I doing with the personal, the intentional, and the informal? And I'd like you to circle one. Is it a green light? Hey, feel like I'm doing good. Is it a yellow light? Warning signs going off. I better work on that one. Or is it a red light? Like, man, things are not good. I really got to give that one attention. I encourage you to come away with one step that you'll do in one of these areas to be better in your parenting or your spiritual impact. And then you've got to find a person to be accountable to, somebody who you talk with who will help you in that parenting or that influence journey and you can be like, this is the thing I'm working on. You help keep me accountable to it. Does that make sense? It's good stuff. I mean, that's good stuff. Because I, not because I said it. It's just tried and true, okay? I'm just, just tried and true. Okay, can we stand? So, Father, may we, we need to be a community of Sherpas, Lord of Guides, and having guides. So, may we be a community of people who walk with you personally, and then in everybody in our realm of influence, including our children, our grandchildren, anybody, may we be intentional in trying to help move them towards you, and may we be in their lives in a way that we're also informally impacting them, because we want to become a community that looks more and more like you, and we want to have our children grow up, look like you, and be apprentices of you. So make us that kind of people. Help us to be the church, because you called us to be the church. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, you are sent to go and be the church.